as you know, we're in the Gospel of Luke, and uh, most of you guys, a lot of you guys know who have Facebook, you know on Saturday nights what I usually do is I go back through all of my, um, my notes that I've been uh, taking for weeks sometimes, sometimes even months, that, and, and I kind of go back and look at all my notes and, and prepare for you know, Sunday's message, kind of like one last time, God, all right, here's all my notes, I, this is where I think I know, you want me to go, this is where we're going, and, and I kind of post a lot of things that indicate what I'm going to preach on Sunday. And uh, sometimes the type A people, do I have any type A people in here? If you're a type A, you know you're a type A. Okay. If you're like, what's a type A? You're not type A. All right. So anyways, my type A people, dude, sometimes I'm just, that's why I'm giving this little disclaimer here because there are type A people that are like, whoa, when I start preaching, like, whoa, whoa, what happened to the notes last night? What happened to the outline? What happened? It's like, no, well, God changed it. So anyways, I did like I normally did. And man, God was just Boom, boom. I was digging what was putting all going over all these notes again for the woman at the well. I was going to preach that a couple of weeks ago and God changed it. And so, uh, man, I get going on the woman at the well and I'm looking at, oh my goodness, God's giving me just boom, cool direction. I'm like, all right, awesome. And I go to bed. And then I get up this morning, and usually what I do is I give God, because my job's not to entertain. My job is not to just come up here and give a speech. One day, I am going to stand before God, and he's going to say, on this date, what did you do? Did you speak what I wanted you to speak? I get the privilege of being God's messenger to you. And I am going to be held accountable as to whether I have communicated to you what God wanted me to communicate. That's my job as the pastor, and I praise God for that. And so I get one more time, I'm like, all right, God, because I even send out, you know, the, the scripture to JJ in case, you know, uh, he has time to put it all in PowerPoint then as opposed to Sunday morning. And so he must have done that actually last night, maybe, because this morning when I woke up, I started looking over my notes, and I'm looking over the woman at the well, and it was just like, la, 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 la. I'm like, what? Come on, God. And I'm looking at it again. Well, what about this last night that was so powerful? And he's like, wah, wah, wah. Charlie Brown's teacher, man. It was just like, oh, God, it's like eight. It's like 7 o'clock, 7.30. He's like, chill, dude. And you, I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. He's like, he, good, good. You won't get in the way. And I'm like, okay, cool. So I'm not coming in unprepared, all right? That's how you're like, you're like, oh, that was a pretty crummy message. It was like, you know, no, no, this should be really good because you're not going to get any of me, all right? And uh, so in this, God just kind of, he kept bringing up the green balloon. And I know I've shared the green balloon with people. I share it individually. I probably shared a few times in here. But all week long, I've been thinking a lot about the green balloon. How many of y'all know about the green balloon? Anybody know about the green balloon? Okay, only a few of you. How many of y'all do not? You're like, I have no clue about a green balloon. All right, good. Now I know why he wanted y'all to know about the green balloon. All week I'm thinking about the green balloon. I'm, I'm implementing the green balloon into my life. I'm just like, oh, the green balloon. And because uh, and, 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 I'm not the sharpest marble in the box. I need object lessons. I need things that I can kind of visualize and see and, and, and remind me of Scripture and how I'm supposed to be and what God's doing for me. And one of the most valuable things God's ever showed me back in youth ministry days was a green balloon. And so this morning, it's like the green balloon. I'm like, awesome. So usually, God, this is kind of a one-on-one. -on -one. This is like when I talk to somebody or out on the sandbar. And, and man, the scripture, you just give me scripture. What scripture? I don't think I've ever even preached this before as a whole message. And I'm like, what scripture do you want? And, and, he, and, and we're going to Romans chapter 8. We are going to go into Romans chapter 8 eventually. And, and really, he brought my wife's favorite verse when I met my wife. Um, Little did she know why she would have this verse as a life verse after she married me, but it does say, it's Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good. How many times has my wife had to say that after looking at me, right? We know that all things work together for good to those who love God and called according to his purpose. And a lot of times we stop and we're trying, ooh, what's the good thing in this? And the second two, the two verses after it tell us what the good thing is. It tells us that our eternity is set that our predestination, we're going to look just like Christ. And in the end, we're already glorified. We, and that means we're God-like. How many of you looked in the mirror and said, Woo, there's God right there. Any of y'all do that? Can y'all do it today? I mean, how many of y'all know you got a long way to go? Okay, you got a long way to go. And, and, and in order to get from where you're at to where you need to be, you need to grow. 
And that is the purpose of the green balloon. And so I could call a bunch of people to help me, but I'm going to call Chuck and Marley to come up and help me. Come on, Chuck. I want in. Chuck's like, oh, dude, I'm going to punch the pastor again, man. I was <laughs> like, just come on. All right, so, so Chuck, you stand over there, all right? Uh, over there. You don't even have to do anything. You just stand there and look pretty, man. That's all your job. All right, good, good, good. And Marley, you come on over here, all right? So this green balloon, I promise nobody's blown this up before. Uh, well, Keone's had this bag, but anyways... <clears throat> but go ahead and blow. I'm, I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you five balloons, actually. All right. So I give you one. There's two. There's three. There's four. There's five. Five balloons. All right. So why don't you blow that balloon up? One of them. Blow one of them up. Blow it up big. All right. Awesome. Don't tie it. Don't tie it. Don't tie it. All right. Well, you could if you want, but don't tie it. This one. All right. I want you to try to hit Chuck from right there behind. The, get behind the line. Get behind the line. All right. Good. Good. Try to hit Chuck from. Yeah. Dude. Whatever. Oh, that. Oh, give it up for Marley, you know, like, all right, here, do another one, Marley, come on, man, yeah, no, this is, you're allowed to in church, this is me, I need you to try to hit him with the balloon from there, man, come on, do better than that, that was pretty sorry, dude, all right, go ahead, go ahead, hit him, <laughs> and look at Chuck over here, Chuck's like kung fu, and whoa, <laughs> okay, that was a little closer, man. All right, come on, man. One more time. You got three balloons left. All right, maybe put a little more air, a little less air. I don't know. Oh, more air. Let's see how that works. Oh, he's getting closer. All right, he's getting closer. Because the first one, where did the first one even land? Yeah, okay, you can have that, bro. <laughs> it's only been blown up once. <laughs> and I don't know where his mouth's been, but all right, so. All right. All right, two more balloons. Come on, man. Dude, how hard is it? He's got a white shirt on, man. He's like, well, go ahead. Wide open, man. Oh, close. No, that was close. That was close. All right. <laughs> one more. Last one. Y'all cheer him on. Marley, Marley, Marley. Come on, man. Woo. Oh, is he going to tie it? Oh. <laughs> oh, all right. You, you can take your balloons and go sit down, man. Y'all give it up for Marley and Chuck. All right. I told you that'd be really easy. All right. So you're like, okay, I came to church and they were blowing balloons up and they went. All right. So the purpose of the red balloon, Marley, let me ask you a question. If I would have given you a coconut, could you hit Chuck? What would have been the difference? With the, could you hit him good? Yeah, what would have been the difference between a coconut and the balloon? What's true about the coconut when you throw it? It's going to go where you want it to. The balloon, once you let go of this balloon, what's true about that? Dude, it's gonna, you have no control over the balloon. And that's what this green balloon represents. It represents everything in life that you have absolutely no control over. How many of y'all are control freaks? Okay, that'd be a type A's too, but, but yeah, there's, there's other, other types of, yeah, a lot of, we're all control freaks. We are. That's when we get upset is when things don't go the way we want them to go. That's where our anxiety comes from. And so, Marley, could you imagine if your satisfaction in life, your, the way you gauge yourself as being successful or a failure was based on hitting Chuck with the balloon? Why are you laughing? Why are you laughing? Because that would have been pretty what? Pretty what? pretty bad yeah well one it'd be a stupid goal to set all right my satisfaction is going to come from hitting hitting chuck with the balloon okay well obviously you're not going to feel very good about yourself so you set that goal to begin with all right of trying to control something you can't control Ooh, aren't you glad you guys don't find your satisfaction in life and your success and failure based on something you can't control aren't you glad you guys don't do that some of you are like, I do. <laughs> you all do. We do. That's what the purpose of the green balloon is. And so, man, what, what, if, if, after the first day, oh, man, I could see Marley. I'm going to make wings for this thing. All right, I'm going to make. He came pretty close. You came close, and nobody's ever come that close, man. You are definitely a master at this, but you, you didn't get it. And, and, man, so could you imagine if your satisfaction in life came from, from, making, from hitting Chuck with the balloon? How would you feel about yourself? First day, you're like, I'm going to do it. Second day, man, I'm going to do this. Third day, I'm going to hold it a little different. Fourth day, I'm going to tie it. Fifth day, all right, I got to figure. And what happens if you fail after five days? How do you feel about yourself? What's that? 
yeah, what, what's the point of life? What's the point? Are you, do you feel like you're ever going to succeed? No. And after a while, what do you even do? You give up. You're like, this is stupid. But yet your satisfaction is based on still hitting him with the balloon and you know you're an utter failure. I think the world might call that depression. And, and instead of fixing it the way the word of God says to fix it and finding everything you need in Christ, the world fixes it with drugs. They just kind of mess your mind up and, oh, here's an antidepressant and here's a whatever. And no, I'm not a physician. I didn't sleep at a Holiday Inn last night, but I've been in ministry 33 years and I have watched the word of God change people's hearts, their minds, their lives. And I've watched it fix people the way he promises it will. Matthew 6.33, Matthew 6.33 says, you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and what? Everything, all things will be added unto you. Oh, except the only things that we can fix through our whatever. You know, through our conference, through our through chemicals, through our whatever. No, he can fix it all. And he can use things to do that. But man, God wants you to be whole. And half the battle is we have got the wrong idea of what success is. How many of y'all would raise your hand and say, I have been, I have had anxiety. I have been upset over something I could not control because I was finding my satisfaction in something I could control. Anybody raise your hand. The rest of y'all are liars and you can't even control your hand <laughs> right now. This is where we live. Again, think how silly it is to be able to, to find your contentment, your happiness, your joy in controlling something you cannot control. And let me ask you a question. What can you control? I'll give you a clue that the, the word that I'm looking for begins with nothing and ends with ing. It's nothing. In fact, self-control is a fruit of the spirit, right? Oh, I can control myself. Self-control is a fruit of the spirit. You have to be born again and walking in the spirit to even have some form of self-control. The world has no hope. That's why the devil, he has this world system that he set in place and, and your flesh loves it, and he controls you over and over again. Oh, you're getting closer, you're getting closer, you're getting closer, and you can never achieve. Satan thinks he's going to win. So many times, I love that song we sang. Dude, at the cross, Satan thought he won, man, in the resurrection. He found out he lost again. And Revelation is so full of the same thing. He never wins. God wins. So get on his team and do it his way. So the green balloon represents everything in life you cannot what? Control. All right? And so if you ever see me walking around with green balloons in my pocket, or I'm pulling them out of the sandbar, or you see them hanging from my rearview mirror, or you see them in, on me anywhere, dude, I may be wearing them. I don't know, but I'm just saying you know that I'm dealing with some stuff that's, that's messing with me. Stuff that's bothering me really bad because I can't control it. And it messes with you. And you've got to have a solution to this. So it's green because it represents the only thing you can grow. Uh, or the, I mean, oh, I just told you the answer. That's all. Uh, <laughs> the only thing you can control. So here you are, not very godlike. I mean, maybe more than other people you're godlike. But you're a long way from being God. In case you don't understand how far you are, go read Isaiah where he said, yeah, man, you, we're not even, we don't even think on the same page. You know, we're trying, he, he wants, so we all have a lot of growth to do, a lot of growing to do, to become like God. And everything God puts in our life is there by design to make us more like him. And when you do something, Scott, when you do something really like God, like, hey, can you predict your husband fairly well? This happens, this is how he's going to react. This happens, this is how he's going to react. You've been with him, right? But when he does something, and again, he's pretty God-like man and everything, but when he really pulls off a God-like action and you didn't expect that, you're, you're like, what do you say? Wow, <laughs> yeah. And, and well, that isn't Scott. Who is it? It's God. And so every time we react in the right way with the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, according to the word of God, man, and, and heaven is looking down. The angel's like, oh, my goodness, that's God's grace right there. Because I know what Jeff Essinger would have looked like. I know what he would have done in the flesh. And he did this because of your grace, God. You're awesome. In heaven, we'll be celebrating it. But the people around us are looking going, whoa. No way. 
Sue, how come you didn't just punch him in the face? That's what, you know, not that you would do that, right? Not anymore. Back in your old surfing days, if they stole your wave, you would have, right? Yeah, yeah, you would have found something. Just watch this lady. Don't drop in on her, man. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, those were the, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but when we do, when, when we become more like God with each decision, with each action, when that happens, the world's going, wow. And God gets the glory. And the believers around you are going, oh, wow, and God gets the glory. It's pretty cool. And I could go from all the way around the room, and I got stories on all of y'all, just about all of y'all, that where I have seen God do that. And you've even told me, I didn't do what I normally would have done, and it's God that gets the glory in that. And that's what our life is. And as God gets the glory, it's because we become more godlike and we grow. So again, the, green, the balloon itself represents everything in life we can't what? But the green represents the only thing we can control, which is our growth. So with every situation that you face, man, and, and I've got a whole bag. I don't know how many are in here, but I will leave this bag of green balloons up on the seat up here. And if at the end of this message, you're like, dude, I need a green balloon. And I don't know if I can wait till I get to Walmart or Target if you're not a Walmart person. I don't know if I can get there to, to, before I can buy one. And, and you can go on Amazon buy a whole bag of them. That's what I do regularly. <laughs> this is how I need these. But if you need one, grab one. But the idea is, man, something comes in my life, and I'm just like, rah, 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 rah. and I see the green balloon. It's like, ooh, I can't control that. You know what? This is really stupid for me to let something I can't control control me. To, to, to make me unhappy, to make me dissatisfied, to make me, and, and it's like, but this is important. It's like, yeah, how silly would it be, Marley, to find your success in this? It's just as silly with anything else in life that you cannot control. So what I have to do at that point is I have to say, God, how can I become more like you in this situation? That's the question. Once you realize your foolishness and trying to find satisfaction in something you can't control, once you realize that because of the green balloon, you then ask God, God, how can I use this situation to become, how do you want to use this situation to make me more like you? And dude, that ought to keep you busy, shouldn't it? Because <laughs> we're always faced with things we can't control. So I was like, God, what scripture are we going to use with this in, in all of this? And he gave me Romans 8, 28, 29, and 30 in all of this. So you can watch it up there. You can look in your Bible for it. Uh, I really, as I'm studying that this morning, looking at it again, uh, how many of y'all are very familiar with Romans chapter 8? Man, if you are not, dude, learn it, memorize it. The whole chapter is awesome. I was like, oh, I want to go there. He said, no, right here. And I'm like, no, but we got to go up to here. We got to go down to here. We gotta... And he's like, no, there. That's where I want you to focus, right there. And that's where we're going to be today in all of this. But I'm going to allude to some of this other stuff unless Holy Spirit zips my mouth shut. All right, look at this. And we know... That for those who love God, all things. What things? All things. You're like, but you don't know my neighbor. You don't know the president of the condo association. You don't know. You don't know. You don't know. No, God does. All right? But he says, we know for, that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. And so here's where kind of the section. You can go all the way to the beginning of the chapter. It's really, really awesome. It's, it starts off with just like, man, who's got it open right now? Tell me the first verse. Read, hey, Trent, read the first verse of Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Yeah, no condemnation for those who are in Christ, all right? Your condemnation is what's I'm not preaching on that today. <laughs> I got to stop. I can't. But man, just start with the first verse. And that's where he starts with. He said, once you're in Christ, dude, you're, as Ashley prayed, uh, we're as close to hell as we're going to get. There's no condemnation in any of that. He goes down and then a little further down, one of my favorite verses in the middle. You have to read it to see where it's at. I think it's 13, somewhere in there. But he says, he says that the sufferings of this life. Y'all know this verse? Any of y'all know this verse yet? The sufferings of this life. Are, are what? Nothing. How many of you say, well, you don't understand my suffering. You don't understand my sciatica or my whatever. You, you know, 
Because we think we suffer here mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. We suffer. And he says, he says, the sufferings of this life are nothing compared to what? The glory that's going to be revealed in us later. Dude, when you get to see God in his full glory, when you get to heaven and when you are like God, when that's what glorified means, when you achieve, when God achieves that in you, when God does that in you. Oh my, you're suffering. You're going to see all the suffering you went through was worth it. It was, it was the, the master with the chisel and the hammer on a raw piece of marble going ching, 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 trying to make you more like Christ. And you're going to wish you didn't dance around. You're going to wish you, man, because he's still going to get you. You went through a lot of work to try to avoid God, didn't you? And all he's trying to do is make you more like him. Quit running around. Quit jumping off the easel. Quit, just quit jumping off the pedestal. Let him work. And so the sufferings of this life are nothing compared to the glory. The worst suffering you can have now, you're only going to have for a little bit, right? Hey, Marley, I've been like, there's sand on here. Can you pull like 100 grains of sand off my feet? Just between these two toes. Oh, I'll help you. All right, I'll get it. All right. Again, you heard me say this before. I got 100 grains right here. You want to count them? Make sure you just want to vouch for it and say, everybody, it's 100 grains. Yeah, if each grain represented one year of life, that's 100 years, dude. Is there anybody 100 years old here right now? No, we used to have Mary Ann. Remember Mary Ann? She was 100 years old. And, uh, but we don't have anybody. That's a long life. But eternity is not anything compared to 100 years. If you took all the sand and all the dirt in the entire universe and counted all those grains, that doesn't even come close to eternity. But yet here, we suffer here. And, and yet we go through troubles here and we have pain here. And if we don't see it from God's perspective, we make it all about here and we get a bad attitude. And we get depressed. We get discouraged. We get distracted. We get all these things. when We make it about this. That's why we've got to continue to help each other see life from God's perspective. Amen. We've got to help each other. When God puts someone in your heart, call them. When someone God puts someone in your heart, pray for them. Man, spend time with believers. You got to spend time with out in this world with unbelief, but you need to spend time with people who are going to help you see life from his perspective so that you know this is the short period of time that you are here. Man, when we reach glory, there is nothing that happens here that is even going to be memorable, <laughs> that's even going to be worth remembering, able to be remembered because we're going to be so blown away by the glory there. That's what we have to keep encouraging each other with. So that, and then he goes down and he says, man, the whole world's groaning. The earth is groaning. How many of y'all think the earth is groaning because of all the mistakes man has made? You guys understand? The world sees the earth groaning. They call it all kinds of stuff. They're, they're trying to save the earth. Now, I'm not saying destroy the earth, but I'm going to give you a, a clue. In scripture, you can't save the earth. You are rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic. It is going down. But now... God gave us responsibility to not ruin the earth. In fact, God gave man the responsibility to take care of the earth. And right away in Genesis, man gave it right to Satan by disobeying God. And we keep giving it back to Satan, doing it any way but the way God wants. This earth is done, dude. Man, it's not going to be there. Don't live for that right there. So he says, man, the earth is groaning. How many of y'all are groaning? I, I go out in the water, Scott. I don't see the conch, the whelk, the, you know, I get you guys and you're like, oh, look at the beautiful mangroves. I'm like, you should have seen it back then, right? Uh, you even saw it back then, right, Steve? Man, all the cool stuff we used to have, we don't need, like, we groan. But that should encourage us to know that it's all going to be changed soon. And even if I die before it all gets changed, before he comes back, I've got an eternity in heaven with him. One day we're going to have a millennial kingdom and we're going to have perfect body. How many of y'all have had a perfect body? Anybody ever had a perfect body? No? No perfect? Yeah, you thought it was when you were a teenager, right? <laughs> but they weren't perfect. We're going to have perfect bodies on a perfect planet for a thousand years. And that's even before heaven. That's a millennial kingdom, an Eden-like setting. Man, it, it, just wait. Just wait. Don't freak out about this now. So he says the earth is groaning, it's complaining, we're groaning, God, this world's a mess. Instead of groaning, you need to be grateful. Instead of, instead of groaning, we're supposed to, what's the green represent again? Grow. Instead of groaning, grow. Every time you want to groan, grow. 
God, how can I become more like you through this situation that's making me groan? Boy, how many of y'all are sitting next to a groaner? No, don't worry. <laughs> I, I'm trying to get y'all in trouble, all right? If you're sitting, but Charlie and Judy, man, they, they tried in the airport. Remember how they said they both had three seats apart? So yeah, yeah, hopefully not at church. But yeah, how, how many of y'all know, how many of y'all live near people that groan? You know, yeah, okay, there you go. I didn't say how close you live near them. They might be in the same bedroom with you, whatever, but... But yeah, instead of groaning, we need to what? Grow. And we remind each other. We got to give each other permission for that. Honey, I'm giving you permission that when I groan, all you have to say is grow up. <laughs> no, but, well, you could say it nicer than that. You say, honey, you should grow up. Practice what you preach. <laughs> Something like that, right? But we grow. That's what we should do in all of this. And so he goes with this whole groaning thing, and then he says, but look at this, dude, we know. And after I'm done with this part, he says, in the next part I wanted to preach on, he said, and, and by the way, if God is for us, <laughs> what's the rest of that, y'all? So, so you're, you have no excuse. You have no, no like, oh, we can't do this. God doesn't know about this world. We can't do that. We... No, God's like, yeah, and if God's for us, who can be against us? Dude, just do what I'm asking you to do. Don't groan, grow. And quit trying to find your satisfaction in things you can't control. Who's in control, by the way? And so the things that you're trying to control are being controlled by who? And he is God Almighty. And Chuck, I always ask you this. If he's Almighty, how much might does he have? And if he's got all the might, how much might do you have? Absolutely none. And you're trying to control it. You're, you're praying away, oh God, take this out of my... God's like, no, dude, stay still. I'm trying to make you more like me. Quit praying this stuff away. Ask, be, become more like me in this. That's what his purpose. So we know, let's go through this verse of scripture, these couple of verses and, and, and apply it to this. And we know, who's we? Okay, you guys are saying believers. How many of y'all think it's believers? We as believers? No, yes. Those of us who've given our life to Jesus Christ, we have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of us, we know. But I'm going to disagree with you on that. I'm going to tell you it's only people who are walking with the Lord and seeing life from his perspective. How many of y'all ever got in a funk and quit reading your Bible? How many ever got in a funk and quit seeing life from God's perspective? How many of y'all ever got in a funk and you just started just walking in the world again in your flesh? You don't know that. You know why? Because I talked to you. And that's why I ask you the questions I ask you, because I know that with me, that when I'm not seeing it from God's perspective, it's because I'm looking at the world's perspective. Dude, there was a guy named Miles Stanford. You can look him up, I don't know, turn, turn to one of the centuries or something, but he, he was back when they used to take ships across the sea. And he had an illustration. He said, here's what happens. Miles Stanford, um, he said, here's what happens. He says, when you start out your life, this is according to Romans, probably chapter six or somewhere in there, he said, the devil is the captain of your ship. And so he's, he's the captain of your ship, period. And, and then at some point, if you're born again, you give your life to Christ, and now he becomes the captain of your ship. And what he does with the old captain is he takes him and puts him down below deck in a jail cell, a jail cell. He puts him down and he chains him up. He's in a jail cell, and there he is in prison, down below deck, and does he have any more authority over you? If he's down in a jail cell, Marley, does he have any authority? Can he do anything for you? Can he do anything to you? No, because Jesus is the captain and the devil is chained up down below. But guess what he can do? Every time you go get within shouting range, every time you go down to where he's at, he can start barking out some orders, can he? He can start barking out some lies. He can start barking out some things for you to think about. He can change your thoughts. That's why the battlefield, the battleground between God and the devil is your mind. And so he can go down, and, and, and you go down there, and all of a sudden you start hearing from him. It's dark. You start hearing from him, and he starts telling you lies. How many ever believe lies from the devil? Yeah. And the only way to refute it would be to go back up deck and say, Jesus, he just told me this. And Jesus said, no, he's a liar. Is that not what his name is? And he's a master deceiver, so can't he make his lies pretty appealing? And he's going to, even with the ability to elect to deceive the elect in the end if that's possible he's very convincing 
That's why you got to stay in the truth. That's why we got to help each other see life from God's perspective. That's why we can't get discouraged. We can't get depressed. We can't get divided. We've got to stay focused on what we got to stay focused. So Miles Stanford said, he goes down below and there's the devil. And if God ever does send you down below to go rescue some people who are listening to the devil, you better be full of his word so you don't get sucked in with the lies. And you understand the truth. And God will use you to go down below with a light. And what are the people, when you put a light on in a dark room, hey, uh, Stephen, you're down in a dark room and somebody comes in with a big miner's light on. What are you going to do? Stop! You know, at first you're like, whoa, don't shine that. You know, if you're ever out in the woods and you have headlights on, anybody ever gone in the woods with headlights on camping? You ever been night blinded by someone who didn't know how to use their headlight? Yeah, you know, and, and, and yeah. So when you go down to rescue people out of the dark, don't be surprised if they're like, oh, get out of here, get out of here, get out of here. Because they have a choice to make whether they're going to let their eyes get used to it and then come out and walk in the light or whether they're going to kick you out because you're bringing the light down there and it's irritating them. So don't take it personal if the captain sent you down there to go down there to go rescue them. And it's in his grace that he will have a number of people. Everyone he chooses, you will see, will come back up into the light with you. And then you both get sent back down again to go rescue more. Isn't that right, Steve? That's what we do. How successful would you be at rescuing if you're not seeing life from God's perspective? You, you would, in fact, the devil would kick your tail because he doesn't want you ever coming down into his darkness and pulling people up into the light. He would make it miserable. You got to stay filled with the light. So we know. So here's the people that know. You know who knows? The people who are seeing life from God's perspective. The people who are walking with God. They're the ones who know. I heard another person say one time, long, long time ago, they said eternal security is God's fault or God's job. Eternal security is God's job. But assurance of your salvation is yours. Check out what that means. Eternal security, when you give your life to Christ, how long are you saved for? Forever. And whose job is it to keep you saved forever? Oh, it's Pastor Eddie. He led me to Christ. No, dude, you're lost already. I'm just saying, whose job is it to keep you saved? Christ, God's job, and he's going to do a perfect job. He is going to keep you saved. In fact, Christ at the throne, praying, interceding for you. The Bible teaches us that he is keeping you saved right now. If it weren't for him and doing what he's doing, you wouldn't be saved. But he's going to keep you saved forever, period. So that's his job. But knowing that you're saved is his job. Who's that up to? You. And I'm not trying to get any of y'all to doubt your salvation unless you truly aren't saved. Then I want you to doubt your salvation. I want you to not be able to sleep until you get it straight because I would hate for you to go to hell thinking you were saved. But to know you're saved, you need to be walking in the light. You need to be walking where the Holy Spirit can keep encouraging you and letting you see life from his perspective. Where you, you know no matter what's going on, you know what the Word of God says. Your faith is strong. You're hearing God say, you're saved, you're saved, you're saved. Because the minute you're not hearing from God, who are you hearing from? Satan. And what better method could he use to mess you up than to get you to doubt your salvation? Because now anything you do for God is going to be totally whacked. It's not going to be out of love. It's going to be like, oh, trying to prove that you're saved. Now you have a works theology. Now you're really messed up. And you got to get yourself out of that. So again, you stay in the light. You stay listening. And he doesn't have to directly come and tell you that. He's got demons, but he's got a world system. And you know the world system is not saved, right? It's not God's system. And you get involved in that. You get some bad theology. It's lies straight from the pit of hell. So you stay walking in the Spirit. You stay listening to God. So when it says we know, here's who the we are. Yes, you must be born again. Because being born the first time as a human being, according to Romans 6, you're an enemy to God. But while you were an enemy, he loved you so much that he died for you. And, and so you're saved. You now have Him eternal, eternal salvation from him. But you're also walking in the Spirit, listening to him. Because there's a lot of bad voices out there, aren't there, Gavin? A lot of bad junk out there. And where's most of the bad junk come from? In our own heads, man. In our own heads. That's why we've got to renew. What, Charlie? What do we got to renew? Renew our minds. How often you got to renew it? How long does it take for your mind to get old? (laughs) Yeah, minute by minute our mind gets old. Now, we know. That's who knows. 
that for those who love God, who is it that loves God? We love God because he, yeah, those of you who know God loved us first, and you, out of the love he's given you, and you like, oh my goodness, I have a death sentence, and he gave me a pardon out of my death sentence, and I took it. You're in love with him. I'm going to tell you something. You can be religious but not be in love with God, but you can't be saved and not be in love with God. You go read the New Testament. If you're saved, you're in love with God. And so those that love God, let me ask you another question. Hey, hey, Brad, if, if you were as faithful to Julie, I know you sat on the back row thinking I couldn't even see you back there, man, but I've been encouraged by your smiles and y'all conversing, you know, and hope it's been about the message, all right? But no, I'm just, but, but, but if you were as faithful to Julie as you are to God, would you still be married? Anybody here? <laughs> Mac and Holly, you guys are the ultimate little lovebird. You're like, the, man, you are, that's what Ashley's like, I want to be like Holly when I get older. <laughs> you know, and, well, maybe she didn't say older. When I grow up, I don't know what she said, but <laughs> you guys are just cute, dude. You're old and you're cute. It's like awesome, man. <laughs> Look at that. Yeah. How many of y'all want to be like them when you grow up? That's what I'm saying, right? Look at Mac turning red as his shirt right now. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah. And I forgot where I was even going with that now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, uh, he said, yeah, did you hear what he said? If you only knew. Because he's got people in Wisconsin saying, yeah, I got pictures. You know, I've, I've actually stayed in their house and, you know, and heard some of the discussions they didn't think were. But... If you loved your spouse as much, or you were as faithful to your spouse as much as you're faithful to God, would y'all still be married? No. Look at the mercy and love God has in all of that. That's how merciful and that's how loving is. But in order, when you're staying in love, when, when you have that love relationship with God, and you're loving him, and he's loving you, how, how does that even work in your marriage? Have you ever had some up seasons and down seasons? Man, when you're in love, and it's just like, oh, yes, it's a much better world, isn't it? I know people are like, oh, happy wife, happy life. No. <laughs> dude, when things are working out, dude, everything's cool. But what is it when there's all kinds of tension in the home? You're not communicating. You're not agreeing with each other. You're not liking each other. And I know that because Linda tells me. And, uh, <laughs> but, but it says, we know that for those who love God, when you're madly in love, when you're in that relationship, when you're, when you're experiencing, when you know God's love and you're experiencing that love, he loves you perfectly. So let me ask you a question. Can he ever love you more? Bonnie, can he ever love you more if he loves you perfectly now? No. Can he ever love you less? No matter what you do, he can't love you less. People can, <laughs> but he can't. It's perfect. You know? So when you're, it, it isn't he's loving you less, it's you're just imagining him loving you less. You know? In all of that. So when you're in that, when you're understanding how much he loves you, you know this right here. But when you're not getting the love, when you're not focused on him, when you're not paying attention, when you're not in a a close relationship, you know, your estranged relationship with God. If you're in one, you still have it. And if it's been for a long time, you better check it out to see if you ever got it. But if you know you got that relationship with him, that's who he says knows this stuff. So we know that for those who love God, all things, <laughs> Chris, all things, dude, I drive down to Fort Lauderdale every single day. I, I, man, I am not worthy, dude. This guy drives a Fort Lauderdale, right? Still Fort Lauderdale? Every day and comes home to see his family and all that. Other guys stay down there, come see the family. He goes, man, I would like pull my fingernails out with vice grips if I had to do that, bro. But driving all the way to Fort Lauderdale, it's for, it, it works together for good. Do you ever have to convince yourself of that? Here's a green balloon, bro. I'm just saying. It's like, you better get you a bag. I'm just, you know, but, but everybody's got their stuff, right? Everybody's got their stuff. But we know that all things work together. You ever question God and say, how in the world is this going to work? Huh? Oh, yeah, this is really good, you know? And God's like, yeah, you just wait. 
you, what do they say about food? Fast food's not good and good food's not fast. It's kind of the same way with God. And believe me, I'm a food expert. You know that, right? But he said, all things work together for good. There's a purpose. It's going to end up good. There is a good result that comes out of all of it. And, and, and it's going to be eternal, but there's even one before then. And look what he says, for those who are called. How many of y'all, how many of y'all were called by God? How many of y'all heard God and you responded to him in salvation? Yeah, you were called by God. I still remember Barb. I think I'm being pursued by God. Like, do your husband know about this? And I'm like, I'm being pursued by God. And it's like, Dude, that's what happens to all of us. That's what these theological terms mean that everybody wants to fight about. Well, if someone's called, then somebody else isn't called. I don't know. I'm not God. I'm not smart enough. I just know what he tells us that are believers. And he says, you were called. How many of y'all know at some point God called you and gave you the desire and ability to surrender your life to him? Yeah, you're proof that this is true. Not that I needed your proof, but it's true. He said, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. To those who are called. Bob, did God call you? Dude, he used six paddle boards on racks on a rusty roof of my Suburban on 95 uh, on a Saturday morning during rush hour. And you just happened to be behind me. And it, all those boards flew off, Chuck. All of them on the racks. Boop, 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 bam. And, and, and I don't know how many of y'all know the story, but this was right before COVID and stuff. And they all blew off. We're on the way to the, on the, to the zoo with Keone. All my boards on my racks fell off because I guess the glue I put to hold the rust together wasn't working anymore. They all flew off. They landed perfectly. None of them got hurt. None of them came over. Came up. And, and, and my wife and I stopped, backed up about 300 yards, 100, I don't know how far. And we walk over. All of a sudden on Saturday morning during rush hour on 95, everybody's going somewhere. There were no cars all of a sudden. First of all, nobody got killed. It didn't hit anybody. He was right behind me. And, and my wife and I walk out there real quick like, oh, my goodness. And we grab the racks, bring them to the side. I unlock them. I shove the board. Keone's in a car seat, by the way, because he wanted to go to the zoo. We're shoving all these boards in my Yukon. And I'm like, what are you going to do, do with the racks? And I said, hold that. And I folded them, shoved those in. And we went to the zoo. <laughs> Had a great day at the zoo. It was like, God green balloon. I can't control this. What do you want? How can I grow in this? He said, you just wait. You just wait. I'm gonna give you a cool story. Next day, Sunday, Bob and Ann come to church for the very first time. That's why they were on the interstate at that time, because they were trying to go do their karaoke gig early so they could get back so they could come to church. Because some people were telling them, you got to go to Driftwood. You got to go. You got to go to church. And they came. And we had our praise uh, jar, our, our, our rusty bucket. And, hey, what have you seen God do? And my wife put a little thing, well, nobody got killed when the boards flew off. And I'm like, yeah, dude. And, and God cleared it up. Bob stood up. And Bob's like, I ain't really a religious guy. <laughs> I don't know about this God stuff, but he's like, I was behind you. <laughs> I'm like, what? I had never met him in my life. I'm behind. How many of y'all think that's coincidence? How many think God orchestrated that? Yeah. Yeah, on Friday night, the night. That was a good weekend. Yeah. And, and, and so he's like, oh, dude. And I'll never forget, he's sitting right over there, right over there, y'all were sitting. And he's like, I'm not a religious guy. I don't really know, but this is kind of, you know. He, he said these words. He said, you think that's a sign? <laughs> he's, as, he's as stumped as me because I did not. I'm just glad nobody got killed. And I just said, as long as you saw it, <laughs> it was a sign. And, and, and he started coming. He started, we started talking. And then all of a sudden, quarantine hit. And it was like, oh, I'm not going to see him anymore. Oh, man, I don't know what's going to. And then we had that one service. As soon as we got freed up, we couldn't get in the building. We had one out on the beach up at Blue Heron. Anybody were, any of y'all were at that no see him laden service? Everybody got eaten alive by no seums, man. I'm not talking just bit, eaten alive. Tell that to your wife, Terry. <laughs> they all got eaten. And, and, but that morning, I'm walking up to the beach, and I see Bob and Ann get out of their car. I'm like, yes! Oh, my goodness. And Bob had this grin like this. I couldn't even see his face. His grin was so big, man. And he's like, guess what? Guess what? And I'm like, I already knew the answer, but I wanted to hear from him. And he said, I gave my life to Jesus, man. Yeah. 
I, I got other stories on all y'all, but I, I'm just, God, this is one God just brought up right now. That's how he works when you're seeing life from his perspective of what he does. And, and then Bob's like, we're working on different stuff. He's like, yeah, all my buddies think I'm on drugs because I don't really get violent and mad anymore. I just don't care. I'm going to heaven, man. I'm just, <laughs> you know, he's saved. <laughs> and what a beautiful thing, man, of the whole thing that went down. And every one of y'all got a story of how God called you. What God did to bring you into his presence and into fellowship with him. Don't ever lose that thought because you, you got to start there. Know you were called. You got to be in love with him in that relationship and seeing life from his perspective. And then you know, that's who knows. But if you're so busy, focused on this world and the things of this world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, you, you don't know that these things are working for your good. That's why you got to be with people who are helping you see it from his perspective. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. So, uh, you, Scott, what do you have? Begins with P and ends with purpose. <laughs> what do you have? You got a purpose. How many of y'all ever wake up in the morning and wonder, what the heck am I doing here? What's my purpose in life? Everybody wants to know that. God's got, hey, if, it's, if God gave you the purpose, how are you going to know what your purpose is? By hanging out with him. Yeah, <laughs> by hanging out with good Scott. Yeah. yeah, by hanging out with him. If you're not hanging out with him, you get everybody else's purpose for your life. How many of y'all got everybody else's purpose for your life? <laughs> They're telling you what, this, this, this. And you know what the freedom is? Is when you can go and say, hey, this is what God wants me doing. This is what I'm doing. And you watch it work out. Man, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, the God that keeps the tiniest atoms together, keeps the most giant planets from crashing together. How many of y'all are stoked about that? You, you didn't get an alert on your phone that Mars is fixing to hit the U.S. or, you know, Earth? Right. I, I think our, we'd probably do something there. I don't know what we would do with that, but we don't have to worry about it. He's got it under control. That God, whose science, by the way, all science does is just discover what God's already done. That's all they're doing. And, 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 and it's amazing. They, they will be the first one to tell you they don't, they, they, there's more to be discovered. God's eternal, man. That eternal God is the one who's given you a purpose. You follow. You walk with him. That's what he wants you to do. Walk day by day. So we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among uh, many brethren. Here's words that people get in religious fights about and, and, and they argue about and fuss about when these words are only given to believers and, it, and I'll prove it to you, just like called, you all said you were called, you're going to understand foreknowledge and you're going to also under, understand predestination. We don't have to run from those words because they're good news for us. That's how Paul always uses them. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. Hey, let me ask you a question. When it says Mary did not know a man before before she had Jesus, what does that mean? And you don't have to get too graphic, all right? We've already had that in here before, but... <laughs> what? No physical relationship. She had no intimate physical relationship in the Bible. Everybody knows what it meant to know somebody in the Bible, all right? It's an intimate relationship, right? And so this word, that's a Greek word, gnosko. In fact, in Matthew chapter 7, when Jesus starts dividing people, church people, by the way, is who Matthew 7 is, all the professing believers, he starts dividing them. And, and there's a bunch of people getting put in the wrong line and like, whoa, whoa, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we do magnificent works in your name? And what does he say? I never gnosko'd you. But wait a minute, who is that that's prophesying in his name? Who is it that's claiming they're casting out demons in his name? Who is it that is, is, is claiming these great miracles and works are of God's name? Those are professing believers. And they're using his name and it's all happening. And over here he says, yeah, I, I know you did all these things, but I never asked you to do them. I never empowered you to do them. And, and, and so be gone from me, you workers of lawlessness. And they go to hell. Because they didn't gnosko him. You can only gnosko him 
How many of y'all, how many of you ever gnoscoed God? <laughs> so, yeah, I'm a gnoscoer, right? Uh, you can't gnosco him if he hasn't gnoscoed you first. Gnosco means intimate relationship. He has an in, he had an intimate relationship with you, showing you how much he loved you, and then you decided to jump in that intimate relationship with him. The, the, the word of God compares it to a marriage. He's the groom, and we are the who? The bride. Yeah. For those whom he foreknew, the word knew is the word gnosko, an intimate relationship. It means he had this relationship prior. Let me ask you a question. According to the book of Ephesians, when we were covering that, how long has God been in love with you? Forever. He's been, he, before you were ever created, before you were born, he loved you forever. And you know what he was doing? He was waiting for the perfect time for you to be born, waiting for the perfect time for you to mature, waiting for that perfect time in your life. Bob, how old were you when that all went down? Huh? 60. Oh, dude, good year. And, and, and he was waiting for you to be 60. So it could go down. You were mature enough now to have that relationship with him that he's been waiting for his, forever. He's been in love with you forever. Is that not crazy? So we want to argue, you want to argue about that? Or you just want to glory in the fact that God's been in love with you forever, waiting for you to mature enough, waiting for you to be ready for him to give you the grace so you could respond by faith and love him back. But again, it's a relationship where you love him because he loved you. If there's no love involved, you might just have a religious thing going on. There's got to be a love affair there, y'all. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. Oh, here. Well, what about the people he didn't predestine? Well, you know what? I'm just going to give you a simple answer on that. If anybody right now wants to be with Christ, hey, if somebody wants to be with Christ, Steve, you're pretty much an expert on that. You go around starting church, talking to people about Christ all the time, right? Period. That's, that's what God's called you to do. If someone wants to be with Christ, can they? Yes. So who are the people who don't, who aren't with Christ? the people who don't want to be with him. If you don't want to be with him, why would you want to be with him forever? Because it's going to be his way in heaven. So anybody who wants to be with Christ can be with him, right? I mean, we have scriptures talking about that. And anybody who doesn't want to be with him isn't with him. That's just what scripture says. And you know that's true. Why would you want to be with him forever? It, that sounds like hell to me if you hated Christ didn't want to be with Christ. Well, I don't want to go to hell. Well, you don't make to make the option. There's two choices. There's two options. You're not omnipotent, omnipresent, and omniscient enough to be qualified to make those choices about eternity. He gives two destinations, and you either want to be with him or you don't. I didn't want to be with him until he gave me the desire and ability to. Do I understand all that? No, I don't, but same thing with you. He called us, and he loved me forever. Once I got in a relationship with him, I found out he loved me forever. But look, he predestined me. How many of y'all deal with predestination on your phone in the form of a navigation app every day? Any of y'all put in your predestination on your phone, right? In Nebraska, we could, man, we were having to tag team it in Omaha. Okay, no, honey, stay in the middle lane. But there's a track. We'll get in the right lane. There's another track. But here's our predestination. You know, every time I go down to Miami, Steve, you go down to Miami, down by the airport, you don't go the same way that you came because there's construction. You're going a different way, but you're ending up in the same place. And so in this predestination is a somebody decides ahead of time where you're going to end up or what you're going to end up like. And so look at this, predestined to be conformed to the, what? Everybody say that. Image of the sun. So again, who are you going to end up being like? And even though Scott has a different path than Erica, and they're on the same path today, and you have a different path, Melissa, and, and the, we all have different paths through Christ. He's ordaining it. In the end, we're all going to look like who? Yeah, we're going to have the same desires. We're going to have the same, we're, we're going to want what he wants. That's why heaven's going to be so awesome. And we're all going to end up in heaven being like Christ. How many of y'all are stoked about that? How many of y'all got a long way to go? And again, he is going to be faithful to finish the work he started. But the reason you got all this balloon stuff in your life, all the things you can't control, is he's wanting to get a little head start. 
How many of y'all would like to be a little more like God right now? If you're going to be like him in eternity, how many of y'all want to be like God? Anybody want to be like God? Yeah. I mean, really like him. And, and, he, and we're going to be that way in eternity, right? Why do you keep fighting him now? Because of the flesh. In this world that feeds the flesh, that Satan runs. If we feed the spiritual nature, then that's the nature that grows. And we want to be like God. Yeah. That's what's got to happen. For those he foreknew, he's been in love with forever. He predestined no matter what. Sabrina, you ever feel like you blew it? Okay, good. I'm glad you're honest. You know, Even though you know good theology that you didn't blow it, he can never change life. We still feel like, oh, dude, man, I blew this. But you didn't blow it. He predest- you're going to look just like Christ. You know, And, and in fact, the, the woman at the well, I was going to preach the title of that message was going to be the Bad Samaritan. Y'all heard of Good Samaritan? <laughs> She's the Bad Samaritan. And prior, two weeks ago, we talked about Nicodemus, the, the good Jew. He, I mean, the most religious guy in the world, if anybody could get there by his righteousness, would have been him. And he said, no, you need to be born again. The woman at the well, he says, no, dude, if all you do is this earthly stuff, you're going to keep starving. You need eternal life. You need this water I give you. It will be all the satisfaction you will need in life. And so from the most moral to the most immoral, they all need Christ. Aren't you glad you got them? For those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many, not first in number wise, but the most important. Everybody's going to look at Jesus and like, whoo, I'm like you. And we're all going to look like Christ in heaven. We're going to be together. Not, you know, Stephen, if I had to picture, have anybody in the church that physically we could paint a picture of that might look like Jesus, we would probably pick you. I'm just saying. Is that not the picture of Jesus? If you were going to make a mess, Stephen, just stand up for a minute. All right. This, yeah, I mean, if we were going to do a play, we would use G- Stephen as Jesus. But he's not talking about physical look. He's talking about his character. He's talking about his attributes. We're going to mimic him in our actions and our desires and everything that we are. How many of y'all ladies are glad you're not going to look like Stephen in heaven? <laughs> I'm just saying new body i didn't know it was going to be like stevens <laughs> we don't have a clue those who he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order he might be the firstborn among many brethren and those whom he predestined how many of y'all been predestined to look like christ amen he this is for you all he predestined, he also called. We already determined that. You couldn't be predestined if you weren't called first, if he didn't give you the desire and ability first. And I don't want to get into Calvinism, Arminian. I'm just going with what Scripture says. We are believers, and we have been called. We have been pursued. We followed him, man. Praise God. And I can't wait to fully understand that, um, how it happens later. Uh, um, and hang on. And those whom he called, he also justified. You've heard this say before, just as if I had never sinned. That's a pretty good definition of it. He, what this word justified means is that he made you right before God. We talked about it last couple of weeks. What happened? Jesus lived a perfect life of righteousness. He always did what was right. And then he took that life of perfection and, and he gave it to you. And, and Max, so did you have a life of perfection? He said, oh, no, I'm good. I already got a couple of those in my closet. I'm all right. Did you have a life of perfection? Holly, did Mac have a life of perfection? No. And, 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 and so, so he had a life of perfection. He said, Mac, you can't get into heaven with that life of imperfection. You can't get into heaven. You got to be born again. You can't get into heaven with this unrighteousness because that has to be punished. I have to put God's wrath on an unrighteous life. And you can't handle that. That would kill you forever. So here's what I'm going to do. I'll tell you what. Jesus says, Mac, I'm going to take your life of imperfection, and I'm going to take it from you. And I'm going to be that life of imperfection. And I'm going to take all the wrath that God says you deserve for that life of imperfection. I'm going to take it all for you. And that is what he did on the cross from 12 to 3 for everybody, past, present, future. And in turn, he gave you his perfect life. And you are right with God. Regardless, you are right with God because he called you. He chose you. He picked you. Even though you're the best one-legged 
man on the kickball team. He, he's picked you, I'm just saying. Not for your ability, not for your talent, not for what you have. He picked you because he loved you. And if you have the desire to surrender everything you know about yourself to everything you know about God, he picked you. It's a free gift. It doesn't cost you anything, but it's not yours until you accept it and take it. Take it. How many of y'all here accepted that gift? Anybody who raised your hand would say, dude, it was the worst thing I ever did. Don't do it. It was horrible. And now I'm stuck forever with it. Anybody would say that? No. How many of you say, I wish I would have accepted it sooner? So if you're here and God's giving you that desire, and you're like, I just don't know. Man, I don't know what it's going to No, that's why we live by faith. Those of us who are walking with him don't know. We don't have to know what's next. We know who does. And we trust him. We love him because he loved us first. So if you're here saying, I don't know, man, do it. It's your only, you, you have a death sentence because you've sinned. You're on death row waiting for your final destination to be executed. But Christ has given you a pardon. Take it. You'll not be sorry that you did that. Those who he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. That's us. He gave us his perfect life and took our imperfect life and suffered God's wrath on that. And look at this. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. You know what glorified means? Made just like him. So there it is. You, my friend, are going to be just like God. How many of y'all woke up this morning saying, Woo, God, you got some competition here. <laughs> Woo, God, look at this, man. Hey, I'm getting, I'm, I'm almost there. <laughs> you know, Stephen, maybe. I'm just, no, I'm just, <laughs> got to get some ketchup or something. No, I'm just, but, but, but none of us, how many of y'all know you're a long way away? Quit praying all this tough stuff out of your life. We know, we know that all these things work together for good. And the good is that it's going to make us more like God. And if you're a believer, you want to be more like God. Chuck, is it better to be more like God or more like Chuck? Hey, Marley, is it better to be more like God or more like Chuck? <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying, dude. It's like, you know it's better to be more like God, but your flesh says, no, I want to be more like me as much as it hurts. I want to be more like God. And in heaven, ultimately, you will be more like God. Why not do it now since you have the opportunity? That's what all these things we can't control are in our life for. That's what they're there for. So the green rep, or the balloon represents what? Everything in life you can't what? Yeah, which is everything except what the green stands for, which is your what? Growth. God, how can I grow through this and become more like you? Let's bow for prayer. Father, I'm coming in the name of Jesus, and I'm pretty sure I shared what you wanted me to share today. And um, I'm tired. <laughs> and um, thank you for the energy. Thank you for, for these thoughts. Thank you for this application that you've given me for me to apply. Father, I pray that everyone heard what they needed to hear from you today so they can apply this to their lives. Father, if there's somebody here who's never given their life to Christ, Father, help them understand what this death penalty means. This is what Scripture says. There's heaven, there's hell. There's no purgatory. There's nothing in between. There's heaven, there's hell. And when we die as believers, be absent from the body, we're present with you. Without you, we die and we're absent from you. And um, in a place of torment. So, Father, again, I pray that you would speak to anyone in here. I have no idea. It could be the most religious Nicodemus person I know in this church that really does need you. I really don't know. Could be a woman at the well, and I don't know who that is either. There's somebody in between. But Father, if they need, if they need you, give them clear communication that they need you. Speak to them in a way they can't deny. Father, communicate to them in a, in a, in a way they can't blow it off, but they have to make a decision for you. Father, give them a desire they can't refuse to follow you. And that desire would come from them knowing how much you truly love them. Father, I can only talk about it, but you are the one who actually does it. Love them. Love them deeply. 
love them in a way they can understand it. In a way they would know that because of that love they can trust you. I pray they wouldn't be able to sleep till they surrender themselves to you because it'd be the best thing they'd ever do. But Father, for those of us that maybe sometimes get distracted, sometimes get discouraged, um, get depressed, whatever we want to call it, Father, that don't really know that all things work together for good. Father, help us again through that same love, fall in love with you. Because when we fall in love with you, we know you cause us to fall in love with others. That's our indicator to know whether we're really in love with you. Because we hate people, we're not really loving you. Because everyone was made in your image. And you've given us the ability when we walk with you to love others. So help us love you more so we can love others more. And for anyone that is right now just distracted, discouraged, Father, build them up with your love. You say love conquers all. Your love, your agape love, your unconditional love. Love them like they've never been loved before. And let them know what that love is like. Remind them of what that love is like and what they have through that love. And revive them. And for those, Father, who know and are walking boldly at this moment in life, because they are walking with you, because they do have the confidence to know that all things come together um, for our good to make us more like you. Father, give them strength to keep doing that because we know we go up, we go down, we go up and down. Help us feed the new nature so that we can see life from your perspective and then in turn help others see life from your perspective also. So Father, I just pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Let's stand and let's worship together as we close.